Welcome to the Collaborative Resource Hub by Wellness Provisions. Our mission is to bridge the gap between mental health, wellness, and music, specifically rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Wellness Provisions supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We give you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. Our wellness kits were created out of a need to simplify your shopping experience and make it stress-free. You'll get the most effective nutrients in the least amount of bottles with the least trial and error. Visit the Collaborative Resource Hub for helpful resources that can nudge you in the right direction when you're ready to incorporate some wellness into your life. My goal is to facilitate inspiration. You don't have to feel alone. I know that's easier said than done, but if that guy did it, so can you. Let's inspire each other. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer, nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice. Please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. Well, hello. Uh, today we are interviewing a super cool dude named Luke Goodish, and he has a business called Saved for More that blends boxing and mental health. Um, he is in school, uh, I think graduate school, for psychology, and then he'll get all of the letters at the end of his name here pretty soon and really go full force with this business. But in the meantime, he has really valuable, interesting, uh, insightful uh, things to say about um, motivation and consistency and um, exercise, um, going with the flow of nature and just it's a it's a really cool interview if you want some motivation um this is gonna be pretty badass so enjoy the interview yo luke how's, how's it going, going man i'm good i'm good feeling nervous but excited to talk to you yeah well same here so we're in the same boat uh so you have a business an entity called saved for more mm -hmm. what is that about so right now it's really much in the baby stages. I'm still in my graduate program for clinical mental health counseling. But since I started my pursuit of psychology in that field, I've always known that to treat an individual holistically, I wanted to add the fitness aspect and the nutrition aspect because it's just too interlinked to mental health to overlook that to me. Yeah. Um, and so Save for More is basically the pre-stages, like the Instagram and the website are the pre-stages of me building up eventually what will be my clientele and counseling where I want to be the expert in my area, which is around Pittsburgh. I just want to be the guy to come to for fitness and counseling together. So do you eventually want to have like a brick and mortar? Yeah, I, I want to have a brick and mortar. And I think that access to just this information is important. That's why the website and the Instagram will always be there for free psychoeducational uh, resources. And, you know, there's telehealth, so I can do zoom and things like that for yeah. or it's probably a more secure system than zoom but for counseling um online clients but i would still have to stay within this, the state of the state of pennsylvania because of like ethics like and stuff. guidelines yeah yeah interesting so. all those caveats right and that's that is the one thing i'm worried about with the mixing personal training essentially with counseling so i still have to talk to a bunch of people to see if that's ethical and allowed because if not I'll just have to be a life coach, which loses like credibility. I can't be an LPC. Like I can't be a licensed professional counselor potentially. But you could, could you market yourself as like a life coach and then have the, you know, the letters at the end anyway? 
uh, yeah, I'd have to see the rules of that. But that is one thing that I did like keep in the back of my head is that I still have the same training and I've taken the same tests. I'm just not operating under that. Yeah. But what makes me feel good is there are other individuals who I've seen, like there's something called Team Move in okay. Texas. And she's like a boot camp meets group therapy. So that sounds like I'm in the clear, but. Yeah, we'll yeah. That's awesome though. When, um, like when, do you have sort of like a timeline for yourself that you're working towards or what? Yeah, so I need to do practicum and internship. It's basically all I have left in my program. Um, so I will be graduated by late next year, like winter next year or the following like summer. Okay. Um, so I'll graduate soon and then I have to do all the hours to get certified to be a LPC. I had to take the NCE, which is like the national counseling examination. So I'd say like in two to three years, I'll be, I'll have the letters. Yeah. And then, um, but in the meantime, like right now, actually I'm starting to get personal training uh, certification, like certifications. And I'm just going to try to do my own thing more and more so I can develop um, my style of doing that and try to really work on that. So is all the training going to be like boxing specific or like? I personally like boxing, so I have a bias towards it, but I want to find whatever activity is fun for that individual because I think that's what it comes down to for me and boxing is that's what I found fun I watched Rocky as a kid I want the shredded side abs like Stallone and Rocky so that I need to box uh but for someone else they might have seen Footloose and they want to dance you know what I mean (laughs) I I just want to like incorporate whatever kind of activity is fun for them okay uh into it so it doesn't have to be boxing specific but it burns a bunch of calories and I do think I'll implement it because it's kind of my um like favorite yeah. Exercise. I used to like in my younger days, I wanted to get into boxing or kickboxing or something because I mm. had like a lot of like anger issues. And I thought if I'm yeah. going to exercise, I want to like, you know, like beat the shit out of something. Or something. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's the first idea of my head about that was when we were learning um, defense mechanisms. And one of them, the positive one is sublimation, which is taking that that feeling and putting it towards something productive. And yeah. he said, hit a heavy bag is one and I was like hey what I, I hit a heavy bag and I was like counseling and boxing could they go together and I started to do some research on it and you know you obviously know the research into wellness and just like eating healthy and all those things for for well like feeling good and, mm-hmm. and wellness uh, so I was just like blown away that counseling doesn't do this more we just kind of ignore this ginormous facet of the individual well so much of I mean like I guess conventional medicine is everything is in its own box and I mean mm-hmm. that's the whole thing is holistic health right you know spirituality or you know exercise eating well like all of these things are segregated instead of you know as one yeah and it, that's definitely not how it should be yeah it doesn't make sense no our healthcare system is very weird it's like sick care system is how one person described it and i was like that's basically accurate we just get you not sick and try to give you medication for something yeah my dad's a chiropractor so he's always like been more he's like had the analogy to me that our healthcare system where people with pebbles in their shoe come in, we give them Tylenol or ibuprofen to numb that pain instead of taking the pebble out. And I'm like, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a whole, this is a whole rabbit hole, but it's, you know, money and you know, the 1%, but anyways, um, who is like, do you have sort of like an ideal um, person that would, come into your saved for more 
you know, network or whatever. As far as like um, having another co-counselor or something like that? No, like as far as like a client, like why would someone? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that, that's where I'm still in the developmental stages. I've been thinking recently the most pragmatic and like the most useful version of this I can see is people going coming for weight loss. I feel like that's where most people would get the most out of it. Cause I was thinking, how do you spend an hour, like the typical counseling session and work on someone who's already like really fit, but wants to get shredded or something like that's their, their workout needs to be at least 45 minutes then or something. Yeah. But for an individual who needs weight loss, you can spend 45 minutes counseling, 15 minutes exercise. Cause I think the counseling and the emotional piece, I mean, that's what I'm going to be there for. And I can assist with the workouts and I want to add that, but I'm not going to be giving someone the same kind of workout like a personal trainer would. So right. I think it's an individual who's not peak, peak performance, trying to become even more of an athlete. I think it's people who are either, you know, maybe like myself when a few months ago with the clots in my heart, lung and legs where like you're limited or an individual who's overweight and they can only do like 15, 20 minutes. That's all they need. Right. right. So what, what drew, um, I guess like what in your life kind of pulled you towards what you're doing now in this passion? It's probably a, it's a mixture of things starting from my birth with the heart condition. I was born with a congenital heart defect mm -hmm. and I had two open heart surgeries right from birth. So I've always been like close to death in the sense of like, I've always known that death was an option when I like should not have, like when I was way too young, I was already thinking about death and dying. And so that's what brought me into like existentialism, which is one of the forms of counseling that I really enjoy. Um, and I found that interest there. My mom actually is a counselor now. She wasn't when I was growing up, hmm. but then that around my high school time, she like started to go to her master's and do that. So in high school, I started to see that as an option. That was interesting. Um, and my dad was what probably brought the physical like fitness aspect. He was a boxer. He, like I said, is a chiropractor, has these ideas about holistically treating individuals. So like that sort of, funneled me down into counseling and fitness I think that's interesting yeah I mean what is a little a little kid like what is <laughs> what is like your mortality as like a as an elementary school kid like what does that do to you yeah I so I would say there was for how you categorize my thoughts on my death was from birth until middle school high school didn't think about it probably like it was just a scar and then they wouldn't they said I couldn't play sports so it made me upset and I felt limited so it drew me in like inside a lot so I was very like intrinsic and I did a lot of watching movies like I said Rocky like that I just kind of like formulated my identity within myself because I wasn't allowed to do rough play or any of these things that wow. kids do and so I was just like inside myself becoming an overthinker and around high school is when I did the typical like emo high school kid writing poetry about existentialism and death and things <laughs> like that. And so that's when like, I, it got like depressive. And then my senior year and freshman year of college is when I was like suicidal. That was my darkest point was because that was a culmination of all that where I was like, Oh, I'm so close to death all the time. Everybody's close to death all the time. Nothing matters. And I got like really nihilistic with it. But then um, I was able to overcome that but then I was reintroduced to my death last year when I got these clots in my heart, lung, and legs. Um, I, I went to Arizona just to be quick about this. And I, there's something called valley fever. It's like a lung infection you can get that's specific to that area. 
So I got that lung infection. I was working out at an MMA gym. It was the Arizona heat that I'd never been in before. And my heart condition, I need to stay hydrated because it's a passive flow. It doesn't get pumped like everybody else's heart. It's just yeah. passive. Um, and so I got all these clots and I was in the hospital for months and the recovery, I couldn't walk for months. And so then I was reintroduced to this with all with the information I have now. I'm in my master's program. And so I got to examine it again. And that's where I really have like entrenched myself into existentialism and try to learn more about that. Because to me, death is one of the most motivating factors. And it's not nihilistic like I was seeing it back in high school. It is like it makes every day feel like you're playing on house money and like you should be grateful and happy and that you have this chance. And it's also if you want to see it as like this impending doom, well, then that's something you should be running away from towards your goals and make sure you get to do them before time runs out. Yeah. You use it as like a healthy fire under you to like right. go and be motivated. Yeah. So that's sort of like the ideology of my experience with death. It kind of took that route of like not caring, caring way too much and being like nihilistic and then to using it as fuel. So like when you were in high school, um, was there anything that you, like, did you do like therapy stuff or did you, I mean, just a lot of writing or like what kind of helped you like manage those I, thoughts? Yeah, I did write. Like I wrote, and I still like to write, um, but I was writing the wrong kind of stuff back then. I was kind of ruminating on darkness, but that is also when I, like you said, I started counseling. So I went to therapy in high school and um, that I, I started to get introduced to mental health concepts for myself and get help for myself and it didn't really pay off at first like it's not it wasn't like an easy fast process for me it took until like halfway through my sophomore year or the beginning of my sophomore year of college that's when it really started to click for me and I really got the insight you know yeah Um, for a long time I was resistant in counseling even that's it I feel like I mean you know I've like I have a buddy and he's he had all of these you know these books and this overall knowledge of like you know meditation and wellness and things like that but it does and myself too I mean I've always known you know um about chakras and meditating and stuff like that for like I don't know like 15 years yeah but it wasn't until like maybe the last like six months that it clicked and I feel like everyone like you have that moment where like you're actually ready to do something with that information right that's it reminds me of this quote that I read in a it was like a boxing novel. I put this on the Instagram. It was this guy said it perfectly in a random boxing novel. How you're at the boxing gym and he's showing you do your jab like this, have your feet like this, and none of it makes sense to you. And you're like, okay, what? And you're like, okay, I guess I get it. And then one day it all just like makes sense, and you're like, oh, I understand everything he was saying. Yeah. And that is the same thing with counseling. Like you said, I've had that information. My mom was a counselor. I was in counseling. I was studying counseling in college, and I still was like depressed because I just hadn't had that moment yet. Yeah. I, it didn't click for me yet. Yeah, I think it it is. It's an organic like when when it's the right time for you to to have that happen and you're ready for like that cuz it's opening a door, you know, you mm-hmm. have to be ready for that next path or whatever part of your life. Right. And it's not like you get that one door open and then it's like perfect because my first door opening was that sophomore year and then the second like venture into darkness was the clots and going to the hospital and that opened a be- like another path and I became even more mentally healthy after that than I was before so you can still continue to grow and you should and yeah. if you do have slip-ups back into where you were that's fine too mm-hmm. don't like don't beat yourself up but just don't identify as that anymore yeah just, that's yeah. a little slip 
but so like having forgiveness for yourself yeah yeah because you're not gonna it's like um how my counseling one of my my group counseling professor says it's like a emotional burp like you'll just like it'll come up sometimes and you can't you know just say excuse me and move on you can't like beat yourself up about that you have to <laughs> that's good that's yeah. i like that is that the same person who uh i saw the thing on your instagram about the cup the plastic he is the cup, cup guy he's yeah he's great he's smart he's got the best analogies i swear yeah. So briefly, just since I mentioned something that no one else is going to know, what is, uh, what's the little cup analogy? Okay. So he gave you like a styrofoam cup. I had a plastic, like tiny red solo cup, but same yeah. situation, a cup with a hole in the bottom. And you can think about this in a bunch of different ways, but the, the way I gave it on Instagram was a relationship metaphor of you are an individual you're either, either the cup or the water and the water filling in is people it's the validation and it's the love and it's all these things but if you're trying to do that for an individual who has a hole in their cup and they're just hemorrhaging this stuff out and they constantly need it you're doing an impossible task that's not gonna that's not gonna work out for you you're exhausting yourself and uh, that individual needs to make sure they're whole before you can start giving them love where they can accept it um, so don't dry yourself out trying to you know fulfill someone who has to do some work for themselves and if you're someone with a hole examine yourself and stop looking for the outside world to help you like you have an internal leak that's what's happening yeah i i really like that metaphor like it like sits right it sits right here for me because it's it's a good visualization of like mm -hmm. being like oh yeah that person like essentially has a hole in them and so like you just keep doing this but unless they fix their hole like nothing changes right and we're all that person with a cup, even without a relationship. You know what I mean? I can, mm -hmm. I can watch Netflix show after Netflix show, you know, do this drug, drink this, and I'm trying to do everything. But if I'm not whole, if I haven't figured myself out, it's just going to hemorrhage right out and I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to feel empty. So what are ways, I mean, just from like your own experience or your, mm -hmm. you know, education, like what are ways that someone can, can start the process of filling that hole? I'm obviously biased, but I would recommend some kind of therapy or counseling, even if it's not with a therapist or a counselor, talk with your friends deeply, like not surface level talks, but talk with your friends deeply about these things that you have constantly tried to ignore or run from rather like, even if it's consciously or unconsciously, there's certain areas that I think a lot of people, it's like a tender wound that they're going to turn away from. They're not going to really look at, but you have to like take care of that wound and, and fix it up. And we can do that only by examining it and we can only examine it if we are one, aware of it, and two, take the time to process it, talking it out, really thinking about where it came from, um, and just having conversations, like deep, rich conversations about these things with supportive people, I think is one of the best ways to do that. Yeah. Because for me, it wasn't even just counseling. It was my friend, Dom, who's been on my show a bunch of times. Like He was the guy just sitting there and talking and trying to figure it out. You don't have to be some mental health expert to be like empath uh, empathetic yeah, yeah. And, and compassionate and supportive mm -hmm. and yeah right because again I feel like it's the same you know you're gonna have that click moment when as you're talking to whoever you're talking to it's like oh shit yeah because even in like traditional therapy I mean they're asking you stuff or giving you the space to talk but it's you're the one who has the right. realization right yeah in counseling the the counselor is supposed to just be a mirror for yourself mm -hmm. like they don't do anything not giving you advice that what you see in movies as counselors that's like not a great representation 
they're they're usually like giving these speeches and advice specifically to you but counseling you're not supposed to give advice you're not supposed to make the person dependent on you okay is it really then because also i've seen in movies you know they always it's like a running it feels like a running joke where they just ask you know a question right back at you and they're always asking you something is that how it actually goes then uh well, it depends. The question you hear in movies all the time is actually a no-no question. Like, how does that make you feel? I've heard that's a no-no question because really? nothing can make you feel anything. You choose to feel something. Like right. You're taking away their power by saying, what does this make you feel? Right. Like, how does that make you feel? Right. But we do, there's one thing that if you overuse this uh, tool, I guess, in the toolbox, it makes you, it, people don't like this. I've heard, like my, my friends who went to counseling, this counselor did something called um, like, paraphrasing or you know just basically like you said restating your thing that's not like that's not good therapy (laughs) that like that person's just regurgitating everything you say it's good to use here and there for specific like points but there are some counselors my professor in undergrad said most counselors are just horrible at their job um they're just bad and we need to get better counselors because you'll just paraphrase and parrot back to what you're saying it's like okay i could just not yeah this money and listening (laughs) yeah (laughs) i need something more yeah have have, are there like specific kinds of therapies you know that you found were helpful to you or that you've heard are more i guess maybe generally more effective than others for people or yeah there's like something called evidence-based treatment for therapy those are the ones that have the empirical backings to say like this actually works and there are a bunch of them. CBT is like the king of counseling. Yeah, um, I have a buddy who just like swears by that. Right. My One of my favorite versions of CBT is something called REBT, Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. And it stems from stoicism. And I love stoicism. Um, but there's one model that I'll, I can give right now to the people because this is one of the most helpful things I think in counseling period. The ABC model is the activating incident Uh, And then we think it's A, C, and C is consequences, which is like how I feel. So let's say you call me ugly. I'm going to go to consequences and I'm going to be like, oh, I'm sad. But actually we're missing B, that middle point, which is the beliefs about it. That's what you're thinking in your head. Oh, she thinks I'm ugly. That means nobody's going to like me. It means all these different things about rejection. And and we filter that through our childhood traumas and different kinds of things. That's where it's actually coming from. So we can change B and we can change C by changing B, which is really cool. Huh. And it's just an easy, fast thing because every time you, you feel something, you get angry, you get cut off, and you get pissed, then you can immediately be like, well, wait, well, what's the belief? And yeah. then I can just change it, and then I'm not having that same consequence. And then I guess the more you practice that and are aware of that, you can, you can actually use that when you're in a heightened state. Because I've always found like when I used to have like anger issues, I could not intercept the anger. I went from mm-hmm. zero to eleven, and like. I mean, like half a second, I couldn't figure out how to like intercept it. Right. That's where the practices do, like you said, come into play. You have to sort of train yourself back into that. Yeah. And it's like anything, you know, it's not going to be easy at first. And you just have to be repetitive with it and keep it up. And it'll become more like second nature as you do it. Right. And then, it, you know, you don't have to play that out in your head every time. Like, okay, A, then B, and C. You just <laughs> kind of think about like okay but then you're probably beliefs. not getting sad or mad because you're still like trying to figure out like- yeah you're just inquisitive you're, i'm confused on what I'm- <laughs> but no all, like it's just at a certain point you'll realize that your thoughts aren't always correct and you can make adjustments and you're the one in control of this 
Like, yeah. I mean, it's your perception. Reality is your perception. Right. And automatic, like, I think we trust our automatic thoughts too often. Um, especially when I was in high school, you know, you don't question these things when you're like, life's meaningless. And then you just accept that and you just get depressed. But then you could think about it and you could see it from other angles. There are other ways to use meaninglessness, existential therapy. One of the four givens is meaninglessness. And what people are always asking, like, what's the meaning of life with failing to realize that life is asking you, what is the meaning of life? That's something for you to answer. You find it. What are you passionate about? Go do that. Yeah. Like you have unlimited possibilities. You don't have to be sad about it being meaningless, meaningless. You can go make meaning. That's actually a good thing. That's it. I mean, but what about people who, I guess it's, I don't know. I was going to say people who don't have that self-starter, you know, like, fucking figure it out and you can Mm -hmm. like yeah that mind like you're saying they don't have that mindset to do that in a sense um that's the thing we said we had yet to be ready for and that's one thing um in counseling i I forget if this was it might have been carl young i think who said this he said therapy doesn't work if there aren't these two things the person has to be willing to acknowledge that there's a problem and be willing to change without those two things it's just not going to work and nothing's going to work so i think it's going to have to be to the point in your life where things just get too wrong and it's you know you hear like the rock bottom thing like once you just don't want to accept where your life is anymore you'll be willing to make changes until then there's not much like anybody can say to you or anything until you then do. you're a cup with a hole in it yeah you're just leaking and if you're fine with just trying to constantly fill it and you're like well it's not optimal but we'll do it until you get until you get fed up with that and you're ready to make a change and there's going to be no change yeah all right um hey on your website there's one thing that i love and i think when i first checked out your website i think i i I told you this then too um this is not a place for gurus life hacks or quick fixes uh, bettering yourself yeah. takes discipline, consistency, and a commitment to fight immediate gratification. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I think, like one of my core philosophies is yeah. I think we're always looking inside of every book, inside of every like motivational speech for one little uh, key. And there's just no key at all. Like you just have to bash the door down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all you can do what are so what are the uh the top three things that you found to help the most amount of people okay um let me think i would say one of them is examining the stories that you tell yourself like the narrative form of who you think you are if i were to ask you you know who are you what is the story behind you that stuff's important and we don't examine it and we don't take into account how important it is for me i've told a story about how i grew up thinking i was the our idiot brother of the family and i had all these um intellectual disabilities and i was um in the special room for like the bad kids who don't know school and can't figure it out and so i always thought i was just dumb and i got d's and c's throughout high school and then i made a switch in college and i was getting all a's and i was in the honors program so you know my brain didn't change but what changed was the the thoughts i was or the beliefs about myself, the narrative, because I had a, one professor sit me down and tell me like, you're not stupid. You were just not trying and like really put it out to me. And I was like, you're right. Like I never opened a textbook. So how can I expect to be smart? I never sat there and studied. So how can I expect to be smart? Huh. And so once I changed that belief, I was like, okay, then I can be smart if I want to, I just have to put the work in. 
so these kind of narratives are important. That's one thing. Two is taking ownership, like that book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. People have heard about it. That one's one of my favorites because in any situation where you you might feel the most helpless uh, and hopeless, there's some piece of it that you can take ownership of. There's something you can find for yourself to take charge of. And that's what I think we have to do because we can, you know, in the face of disaster, either sit there and freak out about how it's such a disaster, but we could also look inwards and say like, all right, well, what can I personally do to figure something out? Mm -hmm. So I think just having that mindset switch of what can I take ownership for? What can I be responsible for? And then the third thing is the idea of the feared self and um, the ideal self. It's one of my favorite concepts. Um, Is that like shadow? Sort of. Yeah. Like the shadow it's, it's building up. There's just so many different ways to call it. Like I've heard personal hell, personal heaven, but in your head, just picture what your life would be. If you let all your bad habits take over, if you let all of the laziness or whatever it is for you, the drug addictions, if you let that just completely wreak havoc on your life, what does that look like? And then build the opposite. If you were just to really figure this thing out and you were your best self and tomorrow, like the the clouds parted and you were perfect. What does that life look like? And you build this hell you're running from, this fire that's coming towards you and this heaven you're running towards. So I think those three principles for people I've found to be the most consistently useful. Hmm. Um, do you have like, cause you mentioned a book. Mm-hmm. There. I brought a stack of books in case you asked about books. I'm going to ask about books, <laughs> books and podcasts so that we can give some people like some good, you know, okay. leads to, to run down. Absolutely. I love um, reading. I think that's like one thing I did not do when I was younger and it's so, it's just so good for you. At least now in this day and age too, the added benefit of not being on your phone for a little bit and just not getting a constant dopamine influx. Although everyone does the, you know, audible and. Yeah. But try to get like an actual book though. It's sick. It is. Um, so I'm trying off- to read like a book, of, like at least a book a month, mm-hmm. even depending on, you know, but I'm trying to like read, I finished three books uh, in the last, Three weeks, I think. Actually. That's sick. That's a that's a fiery like record right there. What what do you what are you reading? Anything? Uh, the last one I read was um, it was a newer Mark Manson book. Uh, the one the guy who wrote the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. His one. Um, Everything's fucked. Yeah, that one. Yes, okay. thank you. Yeah, I haven't read it, but oh, I've heard it. It was good. I really liked it because like it's good like mind expansion, and mm-hmm. I was laughing in a lot of it. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I have to check those out. I, ha- I haven't read the first one either, so I need to get on both of those. Yeah. Your stack, go. Okay, so the first one I have is The Obstacle is the Way. This is the newest one I read. I read this over the summer by Ryan Holiday. So this is Stoicism. It's like an introduction to Stoicism, which we already mentioned goes to REBT now. Um, but this is this is a book that somehow wasn't written during the coronavirus pandemic, but it's like so perfect for this time. It literally opens with a story of a pandemic happening uh, in a situation and a guy making a business out of it and, and like using that as an opportunity. And it's all about turning like very disastrous things into catalysts for success. It's really yes. good. Uh, that is, that. I'm going to interrupt you because mm-hmm. at the end, spoiler alert, I'm going to ask you uh, what your favorite quote is. Okay. But that, what you just said, reminds me of mine, which is uh, in the middle of chaos lies opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. perfect because that book for me, like 
I saw it for the pandemic for the world, but for me, this was so, such a personal book at the time because of the health things that I had um, last year. Like, I was like, well, that's, that's so good because that thing was terrible for me. And I hated it, but it actually did springboard me into much more success. And if I chose to just see myself as a victim and be like, can you believe I had all these clocks and just like freak out about it and then just sit there and atrophy, that would have been no good. But, you know, he says it's the timeless art of turning trials into triumph. Yeah. So when it's you're sick. ready to say fuck victimhood, that's yeah. good. Absolutely. The next one, it'll make you feel like you can never use the victim card ever again. And that is man's search for meaning. If you've have you heard of this one? I yeah, I Victor think Frankel. so. So Victor Frankel was in the caution, uh, concentration camps back in World War II, and he wrote this from Auschwitz. Um, it's a quintessential existential book. Okay. But like this one, I always say, like I said, you can't play the victim card after this one because this guy was able to find meaning in one of the worst situations in like world history, the Holocaust. Um, and it's just a, a great book on finding that inner meaning and becoming intrinsically motivated and looking at those givens of life, meaninglessness, death, isolation, and freedom and, and taking charge, even in the most dire of circumstances. Yeah. Uh, then I have a novel, like a not self-help, like sort of um, non-fiction. I have a fiction book called Stoner. And I always recommend this one because that whole quote of most men live lives of quiet desperation that is like this is this is the book about it look at that guy's face he is so yeah. sad uh -huh. this is this is about a guy who just settled in life and it's sort of to me a reminder of that hell that you should run from because if you just become complacent and don't push towards meaning that's what your life looks like so you read that and you feel motivated or yeah it's just like a very somber view at what life could be if i just didn't if I didn't go after my full potential, if I didn't really push hard enough and I just sort of went with momentum, yeah. that's what my life would look like. It'd be very sad and passionless and it's not good. Yeah. This next one's about like uh, men, like it's about the archetypes of men. So I guess it's more geared towards men, but men and women, because if you're a woman, this can help you understand if you're like, um, if you're dating a man, help you understand your, the mind of your, partner mm -hmm. it's called king warrior magician lover and or if you're just like you want to like uh nourish your masculine side yeah exactly because there there is actually a female version of this i haven't read it yet and huh. it's, i don't think it's from the same people but i want to read that one because like you said i just want to get what i don't have like kind of touch up on the things that i'm missing yeah um i forget what that one's called but this one is it's based in carl Jung's um psychology about the collective unconscious and the idea is that there are four masculine archetypes four mature masculine archetypes the king the warrior the magician and the lover and this book breaks it down it's a really fast read and it breaks it down just very practically like this is the king this is what the king looks like if he's the shadow version and bad and watch out for these guys and then this is the king in its full form you want to achieve this the warrior and so like for me i'm a magician these are people who are like inquisitive and like to learn stuff and yeah it's cool to just connect with one of these people and see a guideline for what to avoid and what um it was just a, a very useful book for me in the sense of understanding myself and the, those around me that's cool and i did mention this one already but extreme ownership just because this is like the most hardcore you know u.s navy seal like figure it out 
there's so <laughs> many there's so many like navy seals guys i know books they love writing i, I my dad <laughs> my dad just gave me um what can't hurt me by i can't think of the guy's name but the other david goggins oh, yeah my brother just read that yeah you like I, it? I saw on uh i saw like a clip of him on joe rogan mm-hmm. and i told my brother i was like dude you gotta you gotta read this one he loved it okay nice yeah my dad really liked it too he just gave that to me so i'll have to check that one cool oh, no i'm reading matthew mcconaughey's book right now so. how's that it's really good it's actually really good it ha- he has the craziest stories of a weird life but he has got some cool principles i picked it up after joe rogan seeing him on joe because he had some cool ideas um and my friend is just obsessed with matthew mcconaughey so i got it to buddy read with him it's like his his boyfriend in his head i swear <laughs> <laughs> what like as an I'm not drawn to him as an actor at all. Do you mm-hmm. have to be to get something out of it? or No, I, I mean, I can name like two movies of Matthew McConaughey's that I've seen. Like, I think he was in Wall Street for a scene and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I, I watch it with my wife sometimes. Like, he's in that one. Uh, I don't, I'm not a Matthew McConaughey fan, I guess. But he's yeah. just got some cool life principles. And it's based off journals he's been writing for 30 years. So I thought that oh. was cool. Yeah, like he just, he went to the wilderness or whatever for a couple months took all of his journals from 30 years and did like a a book based on that oh that's actually pretty cool yeah it's pretty interesting yeah do you do any like do you listen to any podcasts or anything on the oh yeah record? um i do i just found one yesterday that's amazing i don't know if have you heard of this one called uh model health nope you gotta check out model health i'd never heard of this before but this guy is good and i think it's like even more so up your alley, it's like the nutrition and health and, and fitness on that side, like a lot of nutrition facts. He has a book called Sleeping Smarter, and he has a new book coming out called Eating Smarter. But it, man, it's, my, it's I'm going to write so it down good. so I can look it up. I'm going to open my library and see. So I like to listen to, of course, the big guy, Joe Rogan. Um, Modern Wisdom is one that I really like. It's uh, Chris Williams, I think is the the guy's name who hosts it but modern wisdom he has a lot of like the top psychology minds on and um philosophers and it's just a good um podcast to hear really neat ideas and really neat conversations okay. um american glutton is one by the actor ethan supley i think is his name have you ever seen my name is earl or i think he was in remember the titans he was in american history x he was the like seriously obese guy like 400 500 pounds i think he said and now he's like in really good shape and he's breaking down like how he had his weight loss journey and what he thinks is wrong with like the nutrition industry and and things like that so that's an interesting podcast um trying to see what else is a good one i personally like jocko willing's podcast but it's not really for everyone he goes through books and so i get a lot of book recommendations he'll like open a book and read from it and talk about it and then I guess the last one I'll say is for men specifically is order of man is one of my favorites. Uh, it's just, it's a, he's a former Marine. So he just gives a nice, his podcasts are very structured. Like he has a notebook and he has lessons that he wants to go through. He's a Marine. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's very checklist oriented and he's like this, this, this. And then it just, it's like a fast bunch of information on you, you know, and useful. So those, I guess are the top ones I'd say since the pandemic, I've not been on top of the podcast game because I used to do it in the car and I don't go anywhere. So ah, right. <laughs> I've just been more in books and 
like interviews on on YouTube, I guess, whatever that would be. I'm sure that some of those are still podcasts, but yeah. it's hard to like remember the podcast names and things like that. But that model health is one that I just found the other day that I'm going to start to yeah, watch again. I'll check that out. Yeah. Like stuff like that. I listen to it. Like when I'm doing like, you know, the monotonous, like labeling my like little tins that I use in yeah. product stuff and like building out box, like that's when I listen to the interesting things I can learn from. Cause otherwise I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here and listen to something. Right. Like it's weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, most of my time right now is spent in school. So like I want, I would love to do my work and listen to podcasts, but I have to like actually pay attention, which yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like I, I don't have as much free time, but I've been going on walks and that's when I've been getting podcasts in, but I, I just have usually been doing YouTube instead and listening to like an interview or a, a video on a topic. Yeah. But yeah, going for walks is basically my time to listen to podcasts at this point. Do you have any like kind of routines that you do that you find better your mental health and overall health, like morning or evening or whatever? Yeah, I wake up early. And I think that might not be for everyone, but for people who it is for, waking up early is one of my favorites. I just did a video on like the the philosophy of waking up early. It's just such like a nice cheat code for life. I, I can get so much more. I like to write and that's the time where I can do that kind of stuff. The stuff that doesn't really benefit me now, but might in the future, like working on safe for more and things like that and getting my exercise in for the day. I can fit all that in before the day's responsibilities begin. And then I'm working against the clock because everyone says the same thing every time. I don't have time. That's like people's excuse. So I like to wake up early. Um, I usually go right into work because I feel fresh, like most uh, refreshed and good to go in the morning. So I really try to go as hard as I can for work. Uh, at that point and then i go to the boxing gym in the evenings so i'd say just like broad for people is make sure you get outside in the day and exercise in the day those are like two like non-negotiables for me i have to go outside because i'm not just going to stay in the dungeon and not have any sunlight i need to go out and I also exercise because i need to move i just sit there in class all day and if i just lay down at the end of the day and I've just sat all day and just ate and sat and ate and sat so it's not what our bodies were meant to do that's not how we like evolved to be you know we were moving to eat and eating to move so I want to try to emulate that yeah I mean sunlight is really important with Canadian rhythm and I mean a, a lot of like mental health imbalances like if you you know, I think like letting your body, I feel like people just kind of forget like the most, I feel like the most basic principle of we are nature and we need to like live, you know, with nature and then like natural cycles, like seasonally and like, you know, the daytime and sun and moon and that kind of stuff is like really important. Yeah. The circadian rhythm is one that I think got jacked up recently with like phone, like cell phones and things. I know that I watch TV before bed. My wife's on her phone all the time before bed. She reads something on her phone. And I'm like, that's just so bad for our circadian rhythms. Our mind, like our human body is like, oh, it's light. It's night. It's like, is it morning time right now? Should I be up? And it's actually nighttime. We're trying to go to bed, but your body's so confused because it's just seeing all this artificial light. Yeah. We're We're not meant for that. And I feel like, like, cause I keep my phone like all the time having that, uh, the blue light filter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually like when I take pictures to put on like, you know, Instagram or to do something with, I have to like, oh yeah, like this is a, not an actual true representation of the picture yeah. color tangent. But anyways, um, even barring that, I feel like, 
you're still just the, I don't know, the, the electronic like connection and that stimulation at night before bed, light aside, I feel like it's just not healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even just like the dopamine spikes of scrolling through like Instagram or something like that. It's definitely jacking your body up into a different state than sleep. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. do you go to bed earlier since you wake up? So yeah. Early? I wake up like five every day and sometimes before five. So people are like, what, will you go to bed at like eight? And I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. I go to bed at like, like eight no, o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no, I seriously go to bed by like a late night for me is 10. Like if I see 10 o'clock, I'm like, dude, this is the latest. This is crazy. How am I? I'm a party animal. <laughs> 11 is an actual miracle. So I would say I'm between eight and 10 is my bedtime. And so consistency is important to you? Yeah, I like routines and consistency. So I'm going to bed at eight. I'm going to wake up at five. I'm going to go grab coffee. I'm going to do work. This, my day kind of looks similar, which can get boring to some people. But for me, that's what I thrive in. I like that. Okay. I like that same kind of like. Rhythm. Are you like a, a list maker or, you know, like a planner kind of person? Yeah, I do checklists and it varies in my life. Like if things are getting hectic, I will actually pull out my I have like a little tiny book that I probably got like Barnes and Noble or something like one of those little ones um, to actually make a, ch a hand checklist, like an actual checklist that I like to check off. But if things are not that bad and I'm like on top of things, I'm okay to keep it in my head, but I'm always going to have an overall week checklist and then a day-to-day -day checklist okay. um, that I work off of. So like Monday, I'm going to sit down and my morning is going to be dedicated to planning out the week essentially. And it doesn't have to look that intense. I don't have to look like the guy from order of man. Who's like full Marine. He probably has like all these things out. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, all right, well, what do I have to do? And there's actually something, a resource that I would point people to called the mind sweep. And if you go on my website, I think on the, the morning, planner that I have like the day planner at the bottom I, I, I give that link because I don't know exactly what it's called or how to get to it that's just the fastest way um, but it's called mind sweep and it's just a trigger list to uh -huh. give you what you might be forgetting to do or what kind of obligations you have outstanding it's so helpful it's like huh. it has a personal section a business section it has all the different possibilities that you could be thinking of so I run through that, that list on Mondays and I'm like okay, okay what do I have to do and I figure it out and write that stuff down yeah do you have any kind of like, do you do, do you take any supplements or focus on certain foods, either including or excluding that you find help? My biggest exclusion and like my, one of my only dietary restrictions is sh like, I hate sugar. Uh, I don't think sugar is good at all. So I just try to cut out as much sugar as humanly possible. And what about, will you eat like dried fruit or, you know, like, na like natural sugars like that? Or do you minimize those too? Yeah. Natural sugars, I think are like, I I'm not smart enough to know at this point if those are good or not. So you tell me, but I, I'm asking you, like, how do you feel on them? Cause that's, okay. that's an indicator. I personally like them to an extent, but I still feel like they're a treat to me. I feel like they're still in that, not dessert, full blown dessert category, but they're not the same as like kale or a, like chicken or something like that. Like it's, I don't know. Hey, it's perspective because when you start really cleaning up your diet and then you eat a carrot, you're like, oh my God, this is so sweet. Yeah. So imagine eating like a date when you're, you got a cleaned up diet. That is straight yeah. caramel. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's so sweet to me. And did you know, have you heard of this study where they gave them the same milkshake to two different, control groups and they told one that it was a fitness shake 
and I told the other that this was a milkshake for like dessert. Yeah. And inside the body, how it was digested changed based on their perception of it. Seriously. Yeah. I'll try to find it. And I'll send it to you. What? It's weird. Did it, did people like, did anyone enjoy the taste? Uh, what was it? Was it a sweet it was, one? I think it was an actual chocolate shake. I think it was actually a chocolate shake. Okay. Um, like bad for you chocolate shake. And they were telling some people it was a fitness shake and telling some people it was the chocolate shake. Yeah. Cause I'm wondering if the people that had the fitness shake, if they were like, Oh, this doesn't even taste good, but it was like the best right. shake, but it changed how they tasted it. Yeah, I, for, I forget. It might actually have been a part, but uh, I just remember the fact that like internally it was changing how your body like processed it because of their thoughts on it, which was mind blowing to me. I was like, that is weird. Well, it's so crazy. I mean, just like in general that everyone says, you know, like your gut is your second brain. And 100%. like, I found it so interesting that serotonin is primarily released from your gut. Like all these hormones. 90 to 95% of serotonin is in your freaking gut. And we're not talking about that. Like we right. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, and GABA is in there. Like there's so much dopamine's in there. It's all in the gut. So that's kind of, at least like going back to the beginning, that's why we cannot overlook that in counseling. Why are we just going to blow past that? Which we're talking about mood and mental health. We can't just be like, not asking you what you're eating, not asking yeah, you what your yeah. fitness is like. Totally. Microbiome health is so important. Yeah. If Which actually no more wellness provisions. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask like what for Christmas, I'm going to stock up on some of your products because gut biome stuff is sick. Like what kind of gut biome products should I get from you? Cause I'm going to give everybody some of that yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, there's a, I mean, there's uh, this could go on a while. Um, I have trouble. I got to be like short with supplement stuff. Cause it's their fun rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, zinc, just one random thing. Zinc actually, uh, is really great for, um, sealing the tight junctions in your gut. So, um, leaky gut syndrome is becoming more and more, uh, known. Uh, basically everybody has it. I mean, unless you have like the cleanest diet and you've done yeah. work and stuff like, and so what it is, is you have these like seals in your gut. And like, I guess it'd be like that if you've got leaky gut, so mm. things are passing through. And then if you seal it, you know, you're oh. keeping yeah. nutrients and anything like in your gut. So it's not getting your bloodstream. So sealing the tight junctions is one of the, like the most important things to do. Um, bone broth is fabulous for that i love bone you're broth. making it yourself or like i sell um and it's in the uh the gut health kit it's a powder so they they make bone broth and then um dehydrate it and the one i sell is a vanilla flavor so they then kind of turn it into like a protein powder but it is dehydrated bone broth that then you are reconstituting with a liquid um so you can do like a protein shake or whatever with that. Uh, there's another powder that's got some mushrooms um, that are really, really good uh, for gut health. Um, and I'm thinking, uh, and then, you know, probiotics, obviously, but prebiotics are extremely important because they are the good food for the good bacteria. So they continue to thrive. Um, prebiotics are also typically found like as, as like fiber supplements. They kind of like, it's a overlap. Package deal. Yeah. So, I'll I know that, that when I have the actual brick and mortar saved for more, I, I'm going to have to always refer to you as a resource because the gut health kit, especially, cause I'm going to really stress that gut health thing. Like if it's 90% of the mood, I want to do some work with that and, and definitely, um, you know, 
offer your website and your kit as the resource. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Um, let me see if I have any other pressing questions. Um, is there anything else that you want to like sort of mention, like words for wisdom for anybody or anything like that? I guess it would go back to how you were going to ask about the favorite quote. I've been thinking about one of my, that would be like the words for wisdom is okay. my favorite quote is uh, from Nietzsche. It's he who has a strong why can withstand any how. And that is like what the man's search for meaning is sort of about. If, if you find like what you're passionate about and the reason you're doing something, nothing's going to stop you. And uh, that's the most beneficial in a nutshell thing you could have. Um, like you saw you when I asked about the gut health thing and you're talking about how supplements are a rabbit hole and you get fun. And it's exciting. I think finding that excitement and something that you're passionate about and finding like why the why in your life, that's, that's the best. That's like what you need to have a fulfilling life. Yeah. Yeah. Friendship and having a why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And friendship. We cannot community is being, you know, we, we're neglecting that. I feel like we got to, not do that because we're yeah, built and in remembering China. that your phone and people through your phone isn't i mean if it's a possible to you know like be with people in real life it makes a difference yeah definitely we we were we were brought up like we were made in tribes for our minds are meant like made for that so mm -hmm. To try to go against that and do something different is going against our nature. And that's yeah. a Musashi quote is never go against your nature. Um, so yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I dig it. Um, do you have anything, uh, you know, cool coming out or anything you want people to know about Safer More? Uh, well, right now I'm just going to keep going with the psychoeducation stuff while I go through school and just trying to offer content that's helpful and offer conversations that are helpful. So you can find uh, that at saved underscore four underscore more on Instagram and saved for with the number four more.com. And uh, I have sure a not this slowly because I'm not going to do any hyperlinks. So, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> saved underscore four underscore. Yeah. More underscore. On Instagram, that'll, that'll be where you'll find everything. And I have a novel coming out uh, in like that should be in about a year. So I would recommend looking for that. I'm excited for that. What's what's it in a nutshell? What's it about? It's a boxing novel, but more so it's a catalyst to get my favorite like existentialism, REBT, all these concepts that helped me in life, shove those in there. So there's okay. a character in there who's gonna like is essentially the negative mindset I had in high school and there's characters in there that are like the archetypal father of like my ideal self. And it's just, a, it's like sort of giving someone, I'm trying to give someone a counseling session within a boxing book. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my. Do you have it totally written or are you still? Yeah, I have it written. I'm just doing like rewrites and that's it. I uh, just work. Are you self-publishing or. Yeah. I'm just going to self-publish um, because this is my first novel. I don't even think like publishers probably reject it in a second. And that's not what's important about it to me is like getting published. I just want people to actually just read it and I just want to show people it. So I'm doing it myself. How many pages is it? Um, I don't know page count, but it's 65,000 words on a word document. It's like over 200 pages, but I don't know once it's condensed to its format, what it'll look like, Yeah. but it's like 65,000. I think they said that's around like a great Gatsby novel okay. length okay. or like it's probably gonna look like man's search for meaning in size like not it's not gonna be jagundus but uh let's see yeah yeah probably around like a 200 page mark here as well so 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I, w- I want a signed copy. Absolutely, I'll give you a signed <laughs> copy. All right, well, far out. I'm going to let you proceed with your day and, you know, get some sunlight. And uh, I will uh, chat with you later. Thank Sounds you good. for being yep. here. I appreciate sharing your insightful and interesting, like, therapy kind of background, psychology stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. All right, cool. Bye. See ya. Yeah.